1: Welcome back to season five of Comic Book Nation, the only show that does it all for geek culture and the official podcast of ComicBook.com. I am your host Kofi Outlaw, and with me today in CB Studios, we got our co-host Mr. Connor Casey. Happy Spooky Season! And calling in the OG host, we have Mr. Matthew Aguilar. Up, everybody! And representing for Halloween weekend, we have Sylvie, what? A.K.A. Janelle Wheeler. And if you can't see uh, Janelle's uh, impressive Loki horns, this is why you should be watching the live show, bro. Because uh, a lot of fun things going down. Not that it's not fun if you don't listen to us in podcast form, subscribe there. Subscribe to the live show on YouTube. It's all fun. And we are the only show that does it all for geek culture. And today we are going to prove it. We have a lot to talk about. It is Halloween weekend, so we are here to give you guys our personal picks for the movies you guys need to be watching during Halloween weekend this year, every year, from here on out. We're dropping our definitive picks. It's going to get funny, I think. We also have so much to talk about on the entertainment front. We have to get to some news. There are some crazy episodes of Loki and Gen V that are coming our way, and a big new scary movie, allegedly, that we need to dive into and talk about. And this is Comic Book Nation, so you better believe there is both some big news and some big reads on the comic front that we have got to get to as well. Right up to the top, let's get into it. Janelle, you've been keeping us up to date on the uh, Deadpool 3 beat, and uh, we got some new updates this week. So uh, tell people what's going on with Deadpool 3.
2: Yeah, I was actually, first of all, I'm loving who wrote each article. I love that you did not write the Taylor Swift article, so thank you for that. Uh, (laughs) There is some very exciting Deadpool news. If you are really looking forward to this, there's uh, some nice, I guess, ear candy for you to check out on the latest podcast called Happy, Sad, Confused, where uh, we have a Deadpool drop from the director himself. Uh, talking about a couple different things. We'll start with the first one. um, And I obviously cannot quote directly, but, uh, and I quote, bleeping myself out. I'm going to say this, a bleep load more than you think, talking about heart. He said that there's going to be a ton of heart in this film, Um, and he goes on to say, I'm so wary, but one thing Ryan and I were very, uh, really united in was wanting to make Deadpool 3 very much consistent and continuous with the franchise DNA, but to see where we could evolve in this third movie. And I think that that's very comforting for a lot of fans who just ate up the first two. So I think that that feels really nice. He goes on to talk more and more about like what we can expect. There weren't like huge spoilers, but these little tidbits Make things feel really nice. Kofi, anything else you want to add to this little section of it? Because I know you wrote this article.
1: Yeah, Pitching to Save You. Here we go. I love it. Yeah, Yeah. so it was director Sean Levy, and he's talking about a lot of good, a lot of the rumors. So Happy Sad Confuses, Josh Horowitz used to be with MTV, and um, he he asked him some pretty direct questions. Uh, One of them was, you know, how much of an MCU movie is Deadpool 3? And Levy is, of course, not giving away anything about this, but he said he's very diplomatic, and he said he will say that this is very much an MCU movie. Like, oh, yes. at the while he and Ryan, as he kind of said, and Hugh now wanted to make sure that this Deadpool movie is fitting. First and foremost, it fits within the franchise of Deadpool. We don't lose the Deadpool-ness of it because we are now going with Marvel Studios. That was a lot of fans' concerns. So he said, we're not losing that, but it is very much part of the MCU and the things that will happen. And that kind of implies that what will happen in this movie will have significant developments and effects on the MCU and the multiverse saga. And that's saying something because there's a lot of rumors saying that this movie will help transition us out of the Fox X-Men universe into the MCU, pulling some characters in, doing all of that, maybe even using this incursion kind of storyline to kind of fit it with the multiverse saga. And there's nothing that he says that kind of discourages that idea. Mm. Um, This sounds like it could be surprisingly like one of the low key, most pivotal chapters we've had, especially if Secret Wars is going to have, as some people speculate, this whole kind of conflict where the Fox X-Men characters or some of them are some of the kind of most dangerous combatants for the MCU Avengers when everybody's fighting for whatever remnants of their world or to restore their own world, which would be a very interesting conflict for Secret for secret Wars because, you know, we wouldn't be rooting against one set of these characters. We have love and experience and kind of know them all, and they're all fighting for survival. It's very Dragon Ball Super, and I'm here for it. So <laughs> that was good. Uh, he also said that, uh, you know, he's playing coy about the whole Taylor Swift thing. If you haven't been watching behind the scenes... Um, Thanks to the Kansas City Chiefs, Taylor Swift is in our face all the time. And while we're doing that, uh, and I don't mind a little T-Swift, but I mean, it is getting a little ridiculous. But in the midst of all that, Sean Levis says that, uh, you know, he was asked, has he ever heard of Dazzler? You know, those kinds of loose questions. And he said, oh, you know, it sounds like a great idea. You know, he's playing coy, kind of smiling through that. But behind the scenes, he's been seen with Taylor Swift, Ryan Reynolds, Hugh Jackman at Kansas City games. Where most of the clowns end up, but um, <laughs> you know, this sounds like it's going to definitely be happening. I don't think anybody should be surprised when there's a Taylor Swift cameo in Deadpool three, and as Sean long Levy. She's not
2: Black Cat.
1: What's okay. that?
2: As long as she's not Black Cat, I'm fine. That's oh, very there's, specific. There's no way.
1: Yeah, that's very there's specific. No um I, I mean, if the universe does that to you, I mean, that's very specific. So, I mean, I don't
0: know what to <laughs> say. Take
1: it up with God, I guess. That, that's a Spider Man. Yeah, that's a Spider Man. That'd character. be really weird. No, no, no. Oh, that yeah. makes sense no i mean who knows what's gonna happen the dazzler thing seems pretty pretty locked in like that's that's one of those fan castings right up there with rosario dawson's ahsoka so i just hope they don't do with her what they did with her in
3: amsterdam if anybody saw that atrocious movie where or cats there's there's a particular clip of her just getting obliterated by you know a i never saw cats
2: Oh, I would be fine.
1: With yeah, you. no, nobody, nobody understands you guys' cats and Amsterdam references. Keep them the hell out of here. This is comic book nation, bro. Like nobody in our audience cares about those things. But no, I mean, I'm opposite the hope though of what you wow. said. I you, hope that, you hope she gets violently murdered. I hope, and I, Reynolds, it, and I think Ryan Reynolds, and I and I think Ryan Reynolds like would do this. Is I would love to see like I hope these cameos are like Deadpool too, like where it's just funny and doing funny things that like really quick with big stars. So I hope we yeah. see like Taylor Swift as Dazzler, about to put like sing the first notes of some like epic concert, and she turns around, it's like an incursion, and she just gets wiped out, hmm. and like yeah. all the Swifty fans would go nuts, and all these teen girls would be like, "Oh my god!" Like that's a very Deadpool thing to do, nuts. and I hope they do it. Like all moms, I, I that would sucks. really Don't hope. Don't do that, the Dazzler. It'd be amazing. Character. Oh, all <laughs> these Fox. Oh. I hope they give us every Fox character casting, like every big thing we ever hope to see for like a split second before they just obliterate it all. That would be amazing. Like, and that is such a Deadpool thing to do. Be yeah, like, would, yeah. oh my god, there he is! Like finally we see like so and so. Like I hope I hope there's a Daniel Radcliffe Wolverine running around that gets like obliterated. <laughs> just, and like just for a moment of comedy, like him bursting out of the pool, like rah, and then like just gets wiped out. Just somewhere. get Oscar <laughs> what? Yeah. just get
3: Oscar Isaacs back in the apocalypse makeup for like two seconds to be like. Yeah, he wakes up. Dead.
1: He wakes <laughs> up again and he's like, ah. <laughs> like that'd be I mean, all of that would, be, would be great hilarious. Be great. Like this could be so much better than the flash. And Sean Levy even said, like, I mean, he was sitting there looking like a kid in the candy store. He said, going to work every day is just a delight. He was surprised how many cameos they got and how easy it was to get some of them because of how much clout Deadpool has by now. So it seems like we are in for something, like when they get the last half of this movie made. So uh, let's pay them actors. Come on. there's like new reports. Things are looking a little helpful. Let's go. You it's guys have like a It's week. time to treat our tricks. Let's get these actors paid and let's get back on track and get this Deadpool 3 in. They got you like
3: know? a week until it's... Forget about it until next year. So hurry
1: up. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> all right. So that's the Deadpool 3 update. Let's keep moving down the Marvel train and get to one of our main event topics today. So I've been sitting here for four weeks just capping through all of these Loki recaps. These have been recaps with Cap this time because... I've known I've been burdened with knowledge like Thanos and Stark just sitting here for four weeks, sitting through all this other crap and just been in wait to get to what we this episode so that we could really chat. Now we're all here. Yeah, this is the burden of screeners. And and I'm kind of curious about why Marvel sent out all four of these and, and why they felt the need to kind of bolster this whole first arc by letting us know something happens and like letting us all sit here and stew in it. But yeah. now we are all here. Episode four. Heart of the TVA. How do you? I just want to go around. How do you guys feel about this? Let's start right next to me because he's physically here. Connor Casey, how did you feel? Because I kind of put it in the show notes. Like, I think I put in holy WTF Batman and Mm. like, yeah. And you guys are probably like, what is this guy talking about? Yeah.
3: Now you know. I, I caught that note before I watched the episode. So I was like, what in God's name are we in for? And I still didn't call it. Um, I I think what I love most about this show is that it's not afraid to get weird. And it's something that memorable TV shows about superheroes lately that really succeed are able to stand out. Doom Patrol, The Boys, Gen V, Legion from a few years ago. This this reminded me a lot of Legion, especially this episode. Don't forget Peacemaker, your favorite. Peacemaker, obviously. so they're they're allowed to just do things that other Marvel shows wouldn't touch. The scene with the box where we just wipe out a good twenty people, and you just hear the squelching. You don't see any of it. You just hear the noise of it, and it's brutal. And it's something where I go, this is in the same universe where I had to sit through all the crap that was Quantum Mania earlier this year. That's incredible. Um, I, I just I love that they're not afraid to take chances with this one because I feel like they're just kind of left to their own devices. So you get an ending where, spoilers if you haven't seen it, Victor Timely just up and just gets obliterated.
0: Yeah, that tr- was
1: great. <laughs>
3: trying to do what you think is going to be the climax of the episode. He's just like, nope, he's gone. And and then it's like, what do we go from here? And all bets are off.
1: You're allowed to do whatever you want. You might say the next episode of Loki will be a journey into mm. mystery. Mm. So you, but What's you haven't gotten the screening spaghetti? for that one. What's that? You haven't gotten seen what what's coming. Nobody knows what's coming. Okay. At this point, right now, there is not a critic. There is not anybody. Nobody knows what's coming. Marvel ain't telling us nothing. None of your favorite like pundits or people in the know know anything. I think we're
3: all on the same page. That's pretty smart. I yeah. think because they've they they seemingly change the rules with each show as to sometimes you get the one episode, sometimes you get two, and sometimes they'll drop two at the same time. Because nothing really happens in the first episode with this one. It's, we'll give you four. Good luck trying to not spill the beans
1: (laughs) Yeah, what happens. And that's what they did to us. And they were just like, but it was smart. Whoever did it in marketing, because we've all been sitting here like, oh, my God, guys. Oh, my God, guys. Oh, my God, guys. Oh, my Mm -hmm. God, guys. There's something. And it's been pulling. So episode two and three, when things kind of slow down a little bit, you're still like people telling you like ooh there is something coming like there is something coming you've heard that rumbling without mm-hmm. spoiling and everybody did a pretty good job of not spoiling cuz this was quite this would be quite a spoiler I'll so sp- let's also- talk spoilers and go around yeah. just so we can set the stage for anybody listening what's happening we are going to spoil loki season 2 episode 4 everything i mean this episode is basically a massive spoiler so here we are but, um, so the events are of the episode, of course, Victor Timely gets brought back to the TBA to fix a temporal loom with his thorough multiplier, whatever, uh, who's, who's what's what, it.
3: What's funny is that all of the time mechanics don't matter.
1: No. And you don't no. have to understand. It's very Star Trek. They're just big words and, you know. Take this ball, put yeah. it over here, and then the day is set. Exactly. So he comes in. It's complicated when Renslayer and Miss Minutes come in for an ambush. They wipe out Doc's and her whole squad pretty graphically. B fifteen or not B fifteen X whatever X five X five joins them. Brad, um, Miss Minutes and Rivona Renslayer kidnap and I love this about this show. They kidnap him and they don't go across the universe. They're just like hiding in a conference room of the TVA because it's a workplace show and. you know Loki and Sylvie, they get their magic back. They we solved the time loop of who pruned Loki. It was Loki. But not much of a mystery on that one. No, but that but that was good, and it kind of reinforces the central theme of the season, which was that snake eating its tail. And they even the mentioned Ouroboros it. Yeah, of it all. yeah, yeah. They mentioned that it's like oh, it's like a snake eating its tail, and it's like yeah, that's the theme of this season is that loop and causality of time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just in this one, like it, it's. Crazy, just the amount of things that you don't you can't track anymore. Like (laughs) Did the TVA create Victor Timely, Kang He Who Reigns, or did they or did he create the TVA and Ravenna Rensler and then send all this in motion? It's all like it's all kind of fun to sit down and break apart. But we get this loop and and I love that the phone turns out just to be Obi. And I was just writing about this coming in. It was like, that's a Ralph Boner moment, but I like Obi so much more than Ralph Boner, so it's okay. I was like. He's like, what's
3: taking
4: so and, long? <laughs> and, it, and
3: it wasn't a thing that we spent a month speculating about and trying to pick through the new rock some stars' highlights. I, I was gonna say,
4: yeah, people did. Well, yeah, those people <laughs> need to but just sit lesson. back and enjoy
3: Owen Wilson talking about pie.
1: I was, I was gonna even think about commenting about this, but like, shout out to everybody who's doing Marvel as like a deep dive job right now because good luck. Pool's getting shallow, man. But good luck to you guys out there. But um, Matt and Janelle. Janelle, let's go. Let's jump to you. What did you What did you think about this episode, and especially the end? Because I love when a shock. I love to see how you take a shock. It's it's hilarious.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, I had to rewind it. I know we don't rewind anymore because we don't. (laughs) I grew up in the VCR generation, but I had to skip back a little bit because I missed it so much. Like I was trying to watch it this morning before we started the podcast on my phone, and I. I just it, it like it happened so fast and it was so unexpected that I didn't even like realize that it happened with the spaghetti. So I I had to watch it twice. I'm that <laughs> shocked uh, to wrap my head around it. So that was I'm so like I literally thought he was gonna like come back together or he was gonna like float through the sky and like fix things somehow. I don't know. I it was very hard for me to like let it go. <laughs> I guess I sat through all of the credits waiting like, oh, there's got to be like an end credit scene. Like there's got to be some kind of, no, nothing.
0: Um,
2: And I will say like, it is so nice because this is probably one of the first times in all of the Disney Plus shows that I do not feel any reason to speculate. Like I know one of the things we're going to hit on is like theories and I have zero. Like I don't have any theories And I love that I don't have theories because I just want to see what's going to happen. Like, that makes me really excited because they left me on such a cliffhanger. I mean, like where everything is over, (laughs) I don't know where the heck we're going from here. And I love that. That's what I love most about this episode, for sure.
1: Yeah, Matt. I mean, Matt, this is going to be a high stakes thing for these last two episodes. if 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 I'm being honest, right?
4: Is it, <laughs> is it this is the same thing they did last season man it is i mean this is not gone like i don't know i just i think i think in this case the hype backfired for me because i didn't watch this till later so like i had already seen like people reacting and like oh my god oh my god oh my god and so that combined with like the more duds of Theories, eighty theories get put out there, and it's like the simplest thing. And I just that stuff annoys me with Marvel. <laughs> like
2: we got the, scarred from WandaVision man. I just you my I... god,
4: that crap annoys me because it's never yeah. that. It's so rarely that, and it's just a waste of time. So, like f- honestly, between that and this, and I, and the Victor Time moment was cool. I was like, oh, spaghetti again, yay! Mm-hmm. Like that is cool. Uh, but like, but. It's overall, Excellent. it's it's good. It was a good yeah. episode. It just wasn't the thing that like sent me over the moon. I was just kind. I think I think the bubble burst for me, and I just watched it after I had seen hype, um, because yeah, you know, I frankly, like that. I'm I'm doing other stuff when it drops. Okay, so it I does make it. you
1: very upset.
4: I, I can sorry. attest to. And, and I I think a better way to
3: enjoy this is to not try to theorize because yeah. between this season, last season. Whatever the hell Wanda did in Multiverse of Madness, Spider-Man, No Way Home. It's like, okay, how many different ways has the multiverse been broken in the past five years? And how much has it mattered? It hasn't. Yeah. I, I think they've kind of lost the plot on that. So if it doesn't matter, just sit back and enjoy Owen Wilson and Tom
4: Hiddleston having great banter. And that makes the show a hell of a lot more enjoyable. That's very good. It's very good banter. They are fantastic in the show. Obi's great. Like I, The cast is amazing and there's great moments it's just the moments that are supposed to like knock me off my socks I just haven't been and I don't you know it's a thing
2: yeah so. I'm so glad Victor's gone because i was so underwhelmed with his performance so in that, role.
3: that that was something I did want to ask because I wasn't here last week when Timely debuted and mm-hmm. it looks like Majors is off the show again how do we feel about his two episode performance especially given what's being accused of him.
1: Uh, I, I don't, so whoa. Uh, first, I'm going to separate the real life stuff out. I'm not jumping into, I'm going to let, yeah, yeah. let the courts and Yeah, le- let them let
3: solve it, but it's also like, we still don't know if this guy is going to be in future Marvel projects That's, because yeah, of that.
1: But I'm done. Like like Matt says, I'm not theorizing my, my Marvel watching anymore on all this. There's too many, like, yeah, there's too many people going down. Bro, it's been a wild week just to see the... Secret Lives of Athletes and Celebrities. I'm uh, yeah, man, I'm tired. I'm tired in the sports world. I'm tired in the entertainment world. I'm staying out of this one. But um, as for majors in the show, I thought he was better in this episode, where so much of the focus wasn't on him, where he had to kind of integrate with the rest of the cast. That that line
3: about when Miss Minutes is glitching, and then he's like, "Oh yeah, the mocking isn't necessary." Yeah, I'm like a funny aside. Like
1: yeah, he makes a funny aside about like, and even calling his own performance like, "Oh, the mocking isn't necessary," and he really stuttering. wants to know about the hot cocoa machine. Yeah, the hot like he's sweet in this episode. Him and Ob and their bromance is sweet in that whole moment. Like so, I felt he was better. And this is, you know, not again, I said I wasn't going to get real life. And here I am about to drop a real life joke. But, you know, he's better when he's not doing the thing we hear about Jonathan Majors in real life, when he's not like grandstanding and being the center of attention, when he's playing with the other people, which is what I loved about Lovecraft Country. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. That show was him and a whole bunch of other talented people. Journey Smollett, I forget who else, uh, Michael. I can't believe I'm blanking on his name. He just died uh omar uh oh yeah yeah it's happening to you too now uh i used to know his name back and forth. but anyway omar coming yeah omar coming from the wire uh michael i can't believe him michael k williams um yeah playing and bouncing off them like he's good but when he was like the center of attention and it's all like him and him trying to grab the limelight and do that and this and, and ant-man mm-hmm. not so good yeah little little too over overblown um but yeah <laughs> I, I I can't wait to hear somebody, and it's not going to be my job, thankfully, but ask, like, was this always the plan for Victor Timely, that scene? Did they go back? Did they, like, do something else? Because I could see you just doing that one in the edit bay, just being like, he runs out of one version, he saves the day. Whoop! now he's spaghetti. I think that's going to be Marvel's answer for every bad bad actor they have from now on. Whoop, he's spaghetti. And there he goes. And, and, but it's
3: also, like, the one character that you can just kill in everything, and he keeps coming back because he's king. He's Kang yeah yeah.
1: yeah as people it seems like people in the comments are also agreeing this wasn't so oh yeah yeah b15 was also great in love character country yes. and we were just talking on our uh bonus episode of which you guys haven't even don't even know about yet we were discussing her in another movie that we will talk about we'll we'll hype that at the end of this but mm-hmm. um yeah, so, I mean, this wasn't, like, look, I was coming in positive, guys. I was trying to be so positive. I'm trying to hide the fact that deep inside, I think the Marvel era is over. I'm trying not to say this. I feel like I get in trouble. Jim Viscard's going to, like, appear out of a out of a window and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Moon Knight Season 2 yeah. is what he'll show But, say. I mean, I feel like, I mean, if this, because right now, this feels like the best thing Marvel's putting out. And, in a while. In a while. Yeah. And so, if this is not whelming us, to quote, some uh, young justice. If this is not whelming us, uh, I don't know what is, Um, but I think it determines like what happens in the next two episodes because yeah, I don't see how this can be self-contained. Like if this doesn't affect the whole, if you don't finally have an explanation for me of how this affects the larger multiverse and everything else going on, I'm like, yeah, I'm with Connor, you've lost the plot. Mm. Like we've just done this. You can't tell a multiverse story that's contained in each single franchise lane and and has no ramifications on the other yeah so i think how they land this plane is going to be really interesting and if they do some dumb stuff right now like they just make like one of those um you know it's a wonderful world episodes like where somebody's living some other life and oh it's a wonderful some, uh, yeah a wonderful life it's a wonderful world that's my favorite song um oh, a wonderful yeah, life a episodes wild. where they wake up and they're in this alternate reality that's the one that's now overlapping everything, and they're all, and Mobius is riding a jet ski, and Sylvie and Loki are in some weird marriage or whatever. Like, (laughs) I'm gonna be, like, I will go on and be like, yep, MCU's MCU's over. Was a good run. Like, uh, yeah, this was fun, guys. Uh, I hope the kids have fun with this. I'm gonna take my brain elsewhere now. Like, yeah, because you will have lost me. I'm not here for that. Like, you just did something big. I hope there's some significant payoff or something um
2: but they're even like the small moments of this episode were really awesome like when he was like oh you know we can't turn this off because then all the magic regulation will end and they're yeah. like turn it off <laughs> and it's like yes yeah. finally because that's my biggest complaint about this season is not enough loki being loki and so giving loki back the power to like use his magic. And, you know, I do want him to be a little mischievous. I do want him to use his advantages. I love him because he's an anti-hero, not a like Captain America, like always going on these monologues about what's right. Like I want him to be a little bit of a jokester and a prankster and like a little um, biased and do his thing. And so that was also so good to me. I'm so excited. I hope they keep using their magic.
1: Um, my only theory right now is the only detail we can point to is that Renslayer got pruned right mm. before this happened, Yeah, which means she would theoretically end up in the dumping ground place. With the Thanos yeah, yeah, with the Thanos oh, big smoke yeah, monster. monster. Back, and she can hoof it back to the end of time. So she might be the only one left. And based on what they revealed this episode about in expanding her character and doing that, I wouldn't be too mad at that if we get like a Renslayer focused episode. And she ironically is like the only one left and there's a mess out here. And, you know, we get some kind of restorative trick or whatever we got to do to get everybody back.
3: Um, and, and I know we've kind of been, you know, lukewarm on how we think they're going to land this plane. But I'll say this. I'd rather have this where I can't call it as opposed to. And Matt, this is not a shot at your girl, but the marvels where we can pretty much map out how this movie is going to go beat for beat for beat for beat for beat. Can't do that with this. And I kind of like that.
1: Yeah. I'm so excited for the Marvels, too. Um, but, yeah. Though I feel like marketing stuff is starting to get dirty on that. Or mm-hmm. not. Gonna. But we won't get into that. They're just really leaning in this Captain I called Marvel in thing. a friend from Next Asgard.
2: Episode. Who could it yeah. <laughs> be? Bonus episode.
1: <laughs> Valkyrie. We know who it is. That
3: doesn't even make sense. But whatever. But, I mean, Nia Dacosta. She's not on, she's not on Asgard. She's yeah. on Earth. Whatever.
1: Hey, yeah, but she's from Asgard. God, 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 God. Yeah, she's in Norway. Got to get those keywords in. All right, but uh yeah, so I mean big things, big things hinging on Loki right now. I mean, that but I did enjoy this episode and I can now say it was my favorite when I got to kind of preview them all. This was my favorite. Um yeah, oof, I've been watching a lot of Saw movies this week and somehow that Renslayer miss minutes execution scene is still one of the most disturbing things I've seen, like and it just gets you. You're like, oh, I want them to cut the shot. I want them to cut the shot. They I want won't. to see. It.
0: I
3: don't, you I don't just, want to you see just, it. The shot just stays on Brad's face. And he's like, I'm getting increasingly more uncomfortable. Yeah.
1: And B-15, when she comes in, like, good acting job. That's that's acting right there. And she's just reacting to what she sees. Because you could see them things. She comes in. And she's like, oh, what's this mess in here? And then she's like, oh, oh. that messes people. Oh, that messes the people <laughs> I knew. Oh. oh, my God. Like, yeah, that's that was great. So. Here we go. Loki, five and six is going to be a hell of a discussion. Uh, We're going to take a break, but when we come back, I can't wait to get into the show that I'm secretly enjoying more, guys, which would be Gen V. Some of you in the comments have already mentioned it. Yeah, we're going to talk about Gen V. Mm -hmm. We're also going to get into this Five Nights at Freddy's, and we have our Halloween movies and some big comics. So we got a lot to do. Let's break it. welcome back to comic book nation the only show that does it all for geek culture and the official podcast of comicbook.com if you're just jumping in we broke down the big new deadpool 3 updates and the pivotal loki season 2 epin uh, epin (laughs) it was epin all right the pivotal loki season 2 episode 4 and gave our thoughts reactions and where the show is going as it comes into the last two episodes of this season now, let's jump over to uh, the new scary movie. It is Halloween season, Five Nights at Freddy's. Did uh, anybody of you guys check this out? Ah, Was I the only no. one who jumped
4: in? I did, That's I scary. did.
1: <laughs> it's not it, but therein lies the irony, Janelle Wheeler. It is not. It's Not really scary. Not really scary I've at all. i
2: never played the game either.
1: Neither did I. I had no idea. I have no idea why these damn kids are obsessed with this game. <laughs> it's not any better than any of the games I grew up playing or anything. It I is seen. really
4: fun. I mean, it is. The game is actually genuine. Yeah, but
1: it's like a. It just seems like a rehash of all those, like, scary, horror-themed, kind of over-the-top scrolling shooters we used to play Uh, in, like, the 90s. I
3: I blame Game Theory and the Theory YouTube channels that do all the, like. Here's William Afton and all of the 10 theories you get from uh, Five Nights at Freddy's 6 about William Afton and Chica and whatever the hell else, and the Purple Man. There's lots of weird. There's, like, a weird underbelly of in-depth theories about this franchise that I feel like has fueled it for a decade now.
1: Oh, Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Super Nintendo. This is what kind of this reminds me of. But anyway, we're just sticking... Oh, that's the same. Anyway, well, okay, not, let's not get to that. Let's get to the movie. Anyway, like... <laughs> let's just get to the movie. And I'm sticking with the movie. Uh, the point is, this movie isn't going to make me play the games. It's... It's like just one of the most boring kind of horror movies I've seen in a long time. Like, it's not scary. Like, everything's kind of predictable. They don't show a lot of the gore or even like anything that's even that terrifying. It's just kind of weird. And the story is weirdly paced. There's this weird aside. I don't know if this is from the games, the main character and the whole backstory there, or if that was just created for the movie, but it, it, it kind of throws things off balance if this would just been a straight up, like, I got to spend the night in this place and deal with this situation movie, that would have been great. and mm. But it's not. It's kind of a larger character study slash developing horror. And it's just like, how can nobody see, like, who the creeps are in this and, like, what's going on? I don't know. I just don't find it to be, and I've been watching nothing but horror movies for, like, the last... Uh, 27 days and so yeah this one is a very much it's not funny it's not campy it's none of that stuff it's just kind of overly dramatic takes itself too seriously isn't scary and the animatronic monsters this is like worse than like an 80s or 90s movie that would do the same thing so i don't know that's my take i don't think it's worth your time even at home but that's just me definitely not in a theater uh, I'll, I'll toss it to Matt. Maybe he'll be more positive.
4: Uh, you know, it's funny. It's, um, I I agree with you no. on a lot of your points. I This movie is not really scary. Uh, however, it, and, and especially not when the animatronics are involved. I mean, the whole thing about in the games is like the animatronics. It's about the fact that you are limited by like the concessions they make in the game are kind of like the original Silent Hill where it was kind of like Hey, you only have so much, you know, like the graphics aren't anything to write home about, but like the, the tension is there because you only have so much battery power to close doors and keep the animatronics away from you for a certain amount of time that works in a game in a movie, they make allusions to those things, right? They're like the electricity's off and you can only do this for some, but like none of that stuff ends up really playing into the regular frights along the way. And the animatronics just aren't. I mean, even when they're doing kind of really screwed up things, they're not, it's, I don't know what it is. They're just not menacing in that way. Um, And they do that right off the bat. Like the first five minutes are just like someone, you know, dying. (laughs) And like, and it still was like, okay, that was fine for whatever. What I will say is the story that you like disliked it having was the most compelling part of the whole movie for me, because it actually surprised me that 17 minutes in, There's like two minutes, maybe three minutes of animatronic death. You know what I'm saying? And like the rest of it is just about, you know, Hutchinson's character and, you know, him trying to fight for like custody and the screwed up thing that happened to him. And when he was younger and like all that stuff, look, as a parent, like hit really close to home for me. I, I didn't expect that going into this movie. I didn't expect to like, it felt like a really traumatic law and order episode <laughs> right off the bat, for, like the first 20 minutes. And I'm like, okay, where's the like big, you know, animatronic things trying to kill people. Like, where's that movie? Um, So I don't know. I, I'm fine. I would recommend it for morbid curiosity on Peacock. I do not. Yeah. I wouldn't spend money to go see this in the theater, Uh, but it is interesting. And I do think some people will probably end up liking it. Uh, it's, I mean, it did okay at the preview night. I am, ex- I mean, I'm interested to see what it does at the box office after the weekend. Cause obviously there are like 90 games at this point. Um, so if you know, even and it's Blumhouse, right? So they make stuff on a pretty sparse budget. So if it does really well, I could see us seeing like three more of these. Oh my God. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have to see how that plays out. But I, I agree with you. The whole thing, right? Is it wasn't scary and as we'll get to in our ho- uh, Halloween list, for me, that's okay. As long as something else is there to drive me in. And, and this was weird. It was weird. <laughs> it was not what I expected. I don't know if
1: you just made a sale or made a sale against this movie. I'm not sure where what's going to happen, but I'm going to let it play. Guy in the middle. Yeah, guy in the middle. They're, 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 uh, yeah, I don't know. We're just going to let it play.
3: I think the decision to have it drop in theaters and on Peacock at the same time kind of tells you the confidence they have in this one. Yeah. I
1: mean, I wasn't going to beat up on it, but yeah, I yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, at Blumhouse especially like <laughs> house can put out anything in a theater usually. Um, so I think they knew because this doesn't it's not going to it. It's one of these weird movies where it just kind of kills the demographic chart. Horror fans are not going to like this. I doubt gaming fans are going to like the extra story and the drama that he just described tacked onto to it like i don't think anybody looking for that dramatic story is going to like the animatronic horror crap that's in there like (laughs) i don't think anybody's going to be pleased by this and i think they figured that out in some way it's not and it's not even bad hutchinson guinevere beck from use in this like they're a good 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 cast. cast like yeah and and like nothing's wrong with that but it's just like it's just this weird movie where conceptually like in execution wise it's like you managed to kill the demo chart. Good good job. Like that's very hard to do. To miss like all Matthew the plots. Matthew Lillard's good in it in yeah. his weird
4: role. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, I don't know. It's a weird beast. Like I think Matt might have actually nailed the hit the nail on the head right here. It's a weird one. So, mm-hmm. if you're morbidly curious, curious, if you are morbidly curious, please check it out. All right. He's <laughs> trying the clay face from Harley Quinn there for a second. I curious. Know. If you are morbidly curious, check it out. All right. Uh I think we can uh, maybe we'll flip it a little bit and just talk Gen V real quick and get through that before we get to our picks, because I feel like we'll take a little bit longer on our picks. Um, Gen V's cooking. I'm going to say this out now. I'm not even going to tell you about we're not going to go through the episode too much. I I figure like a lot of people probably spent their capital of being awake on Loki before they get to this, which is fine. But uh, Gen V's cooking, man. Mm -hmm. And in Gen V cooking, it is making an entire boy's universe cook. This episode, the penultimate episode, had some major twists in it that I was just talking to Adam Barnhart, like resident, you know, comic book, writer, comic book, writer of comic books and writer at comicbook.com, Adam Barnhart was, uh, we were talking on the side and I was just like, because he said something to me about this episode going in. And it does things that I was like, I can't believe I never attached or figured out where this was building to and why this was important, why this one character is important to the boys universe and factors in to, like, what's going on. But we had a major kind of crossover cameo in this one. And, boy, that was uh, that was blew in my mind. And, yeah. Literally. Yeah, yeah, quite literally. It's a mild spoiler. But, uh, yeah, Gen V is, I, I think Gen V might be between this and, I think I was talking on the side, Lioness, spe- Spec Ops Lioness. That might be my two new debut shows of the year because, yeah, this show surprised me. I thought this was just going to be, as Janelle said, like tweeny, bo- the boys, the tween years or something like that. And this show is <laughs> relevant, important, expanding the mythos in a great way and is already feeling like it's relevant to the boys season four yeah. and all that stuff. So, man, what would you yeah, guys think? Boring. You guys you guys enjoying Gen V? Cause Matt, you, I think we did it last week and I even posed it to you guys. I said, which one are you enjoying more? And Matt, you said Loki was barely edging out Gen V for you still, you
4: still feel that way? Nah. <laughs> nah, Gen
0: V, the, the
4: pendulum has swung. <laughs> it's a, I mean, look, especially coming off of this one, it was this episode, if you put them side by side and I was already like almost there, it was like, nah, it's it's this one, um, just cause I mean, Like Kofi said, I mean, you you said it best, so I don't I don't need to, uh, you know, rehash, but like it's really good at the the core characters. Just are are interesting, the ties that they are making to early boys, major events in the boys and how they're tying those together and and still moving that character forward and doesn't feel forced. Fantastic. It's good stuff.
1: I'm always curious, Janelle, how do you feel?
2: Yeah, I think it's great. I it's hard for me to go like Loki versus Jenny Like it's they're just so, so, so different. That's They're um, yeah, very different. Yeah, they're they're so different and like
1: Yeah, but Janelle you know, Wheeler, we know you know, everybody knows there's one TV show that makes you feel like you really got your rocks off in the week. The one you gotta gotta watch and you know, you the know which Bachelor. one it is. <laughs> oh, my God. We're watching
4: that.
2: I, yeah, I've been watching it, too. It's a everybody back
1: um, on the rails here out of these yeah. two. Which one do you know to be like the one you're like, I, OK,
2: well, I like Loki. OK, that's fine. Because, yeah, I just need I need that Marvel fix. You know, it's just it's my heart. Like I and I love Loki, like and I loved Loki before Loki was cool to like, like before he had his own show. I was always team. Loki. Get that tread. That's right yeah so like you were loki before yeah. it was cool so i just feel so rewarded in this stage of the MCU with a lot of these characters that i really like and loki again is like he's my favorite and i just love this show and also it's so different when you have loved ones to watch it with like my husband doesn't want to watch anything with the boys like he doesn't really like it however i want to dress him up as homelander next year <laughs> for halloween <laughs> but it's like a little too intense for him. He's already like not a superhero person. And then you put all the gore and stuff in there and oh, he's yeah, like not having it. So I like being able to experience Loki with him, you know.
4: You and Young just Mary just fun. so cute. I love you guys.
2: <laughs> also, uh, hey,
4: I- real quick, Kofi, Kofi mentioned uh, Sir Adam. And I just wanted to also add another. He, he recently added another uh, item to the resume. He now runs a gaming and comic store. Oh, that's cool. uh, so uh, wow. if you're uh, meltdown games and comics is officially open as of this week. And Mr. Adam is a s- central part of that. So if you're, if you're over there and you, and you know where it is, go check it out. Yep. Shout out Adam,
1: Adam Barnhart for keeping the, uh, Keeping the brick and mortars going, we need that. Of, <laughs> I, I spent a lot of time in my comic shop. That's why I'm here today. To, um, uh, Connor, you're a big. You're like our biggest boys fan. How you? How you loving Gen V? To round out your question, uh, Gen V is
3: definitely uh taking over in terms of the better of the two, but it's making for a hell of a Thursday night double feature. Oh yeah. Oh no, no. I mean, nah, yeah. It's superhero TV is back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. We
1: we're we're eating right now. Low key, we are eating. We, get it? Low-key low key. we we're are. Low we're key. like we're like Spider-Man
3: fans this year. We're eating good. <laughs> I, went, <yeah>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, I think
2: I went to a Halloween party last night and I was like, guys, I don't know when I'm gonna watch these. I was in bed <laughs> like on my phone trying to watch these, but yeah. worth it. <laughs>
3: yeah it's made for some late nights but it's been fun although it's really hard to go to sleep after watching gen v for reasons yeah, that should be obvious yeah. um i i think the show is excellent i think it's still got a great grasp on the characters it's making you care about all of them the generational conflict theme i i thought as they went further along it'd be harder for them to keep track of that no they still nail it where the more uh, the more of the original hero generation that keeps getting brought up the more the younger generation keeps pushing back against the world that they have created. And I think that the fact that we're getting a second season, even if they burn down the school in the finale, I feel like there's enough to go off of for the next season, just based off some of the themes that they're tackling. My only kind of concerns, I think I still feel like the writers got too far ahead of themselves or they went crap. They solved the mystery but we still got half a season left to go. So these past two episodes have been let's kind, let's keep diving deeper in these characters. But in terms of moving the plot forward, we need to stall for time in certain areas. And then I won't spoil what they're teasing for boys season four and what the big conflict of that might be. But I'm also wondering if it's too soon to tackle that topic.
1: I have no idea what you're talking about, so I can't answer you. <laughs> so, Ro-
3: yeah. I'll just say,
1: Rona, we're, we're
3: we're tackling COVID in season four. That's my guess, and I don't and I don't know if I don't know how they're going to handle that. I have questions.
1: Okay, well, I mean, the boys hasn't fallen to a challenge or kind of tearing in the socio or even predicting the socio political spectrum and where we're going to go and kind of getting there ahead of us because season two and three was uh were pretty it was pretty topical. Yeah, and, and to be fair, like the stuff that they set
3: up for already for season four was pretty topical. Yeah, but this one, I was like, "Ooh, do we do we want to go there?"
1: Yeah, well, with the I mean, pandemic. We okay. we we are. Is the boys? Uh, I don't think uh, restraint is there. Is there real <laughs> <MO>. Restraint's Not <laughs> their thing. Yeah. All right. So let's go. We're gonna move on and get to our top Hall- uh, Halloween movie picks. We're gonna go around. We're gonna keep this speedy. We recorded a uh, rankings episode for the DC Extended Universe that we will be dropping soon. And man, that one got contentious, but it also... That's a good It night. was a long one. That's we, a good we, 90 minutes. Yeah, we deep, uh, we deep dove into that. We're going to make this a lot faster. Mm-hmm. So this is just a fun chance for us to share the Halloween movies that we put on. And for whatever reason, there's nothing. It's Halloween. This is what you watch. It's a little bit of insight into us. It's also a chance for some of you to learn how crazy some of my co-hosts really are. So, I uh, would love to start at the top. It's Mr. Connor Casey. We go alphabetically. Connor, what were your top three picks? Let's just run through them. Let's keep it speedy. My three picks were Halloween 1978,
3: Nightmare Before Christmas, and the original Saw. Nightmare Before uh, Halloween, it's the patient zero of slasher movies. They all were... This wasn't the first one, but it's the one that built off so many tropes That's all slasher movies since have built off of nightmare before christmas this one touched an entire generation to where you ask any millennial describe what halloween looks like it won't be long until nightmare before christmas gets brought up is it a halloween movie is it a christmas movie it's both and how many movies can honestly say that and saw this one is a little bit personal because growing up for me The tagline of every trailer that dropped in October was, if it's Halloween, it must be Saw. Because for some reason, they decided to drop one of these every year, year after year after year in October. So I always associate that franchise with the Halloween season. I'm on six right now. I've been doing it all week. Because we're getting wow. to Halloween. Also, a bit of a theory. I think that if it, not for movies like the original Saw succeeding, we don't get the elevated horror wave of movies we've
1: been getting for the past 10 years or so. Yeah, I don't mean. Yeah, I don't know. But it was definitely, it's been interesting to look back. And that first one, you, you I mean, everybody should go back and watch the original Saw. I it's so watch not the, a Saw movie. And they I had def- like $2. Carrie Hill's okay. makeup in that is hilarious. I was like, Oh, you guys just found berries outside and rubbed it around his eyes. I don't That's know really what's cute. worse,
3: the, the 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 blood or him attempting to hide the British accent. Yeah. But I will defend watch the original trilogy. Like it as a, as a three movie thing, yeah, no, it's it works. solid. Yeah, it's really solid actually. The first 3 are really solid. And then watch 6 cuz it's actually about something.
1: Yeah, I mean 6 is 4 and 5 get a little out there. Um but 5 is really bad. But uh yeah, I'm back on 6 and we're getting back to it. So, I agree with that one. I like that. Janelle, what was your list? I'm so curious.
2: Yes. Okay. So our
1: non-spooky know, person. Yeah.
2: Yes, I have to preface. I don't love like murder and and like that. It, it freaks me out. It's not that I, I don't think it's great. It just really ruins my day. So um, the my classics, the ones that I watch every single year in order. Wait, do I start with three or one?
1: That it doesn't matter.
2: matter. Okay. Not, it's not my a mystery. Number, just tell oh, us the three. three. Yeah. Said- uh, yeah, my number three is Hocus Pocus, uh, the original, because it's just spectacular. And I even liked the the follow-up one that they released. I watch this yearly. I love it so much. It's wholesome. It reminds me of my childhood. Yay, cutesy, fun. Uh, my number two is Ghostbusters, the original, ah. because, like, it's Ghostbusters. It's ghosts for Halloween. And it's just so good. It's so well acted. It just takes me back to that time um in my life when i was like a kid and this like scared me this really spooked me back then as a kid and now i watch it and i'm like oh my gosh i love this also there was a video game that came out a Ghostbusters video game and it was so good so like that it's like playing the movie um and then my number one is beetlejuice obsessed uh-huh. i was a weird kid like i was the edward scissorhands the beetlejuice Girl, like I loved all the weird stuff and it never gets old. I watch it every single year. I actually watch all three of these every single year uh, because they just they make me so happy. So, yes, I love obviously like some throwback jams, clearly.
1: (laughs) okay, that's over to me. So my three picks were. I had also at number one, I had Beetlejuice. Uh, I mean, that is the Halloween movie to me. Uh, If you are going to come up on the spooky season, It's scary. It's funny. It's one of those weird, coked-out 80s concepts you could have only have from that era. Um, I'm trying to get my kids to watch it right now. They are soft. They're from a soft generation, and so they're a little too scared right now, but we're going to get them in in there. In your kids' defense, it's a weird movie. Right, but we all came out of the 80s. I was watching Goonies when there were possibly cannibalistic, murderous families coming after you in caves, like, you know you got to be ready for these things. Um, But I picked Beetlejuice, number one, because I think it is one of the all-time classic Halloween movies for everybody across the board. Uh, My number two was Halloween. I said you can go and do the original 1975, like Connor said, or the 2018 remake, which I believe is solid enough of a kind of... Viewing experience I, for the new kids. Bit, bit of a hot take on the
3: Halloween franchise. The best in that series are the original, the Rob Zombie one, the first one, and the 2018 one. All the ones that are just called Halloween. Uh,
1: that's my hot take. Uh, that is a, that's a take. Rob he, Zombie's second one is awful, but the knows, first one I enjoy. That's a take. That is definitely a take to have. Malcolm
3: McDowell as the scientist. I'm just going to get through my picks.
1: You're you're killing yourself, man. You you handle this on Twitter. You defend the Rob Zombie (laughs) Halloween movies on Twitter. You do that, yeah. Uh, You getting some agreement in here? I don't know from them, but there you go. My third pick to get me out of this is The Shining. Um, and (laughs) The Shining is one that I think every year I got to bring out. If you and these represent kind of horror comedy slasher horror and the atmospheric kind of art house horror that are the three components I I love for the entire genre. So I didn't realize that until after I gave this list in and I looked at it. I was like, oh, there is a method to my madness. Mm -hmm. It's all three kind of aspects of horror that I love. And I like to laugh. I like to be scared. I, I like to have that kind of artsy thing done. And The Shining does that. And it gave us the Grossly, grossly underrated sequel, Doctor Sleep from Mike Flanagan, uh, maker of uh, Midnight Mass, House on Hunt, or Haunting of Hill House, and more recently Fall of the House of Usher. And if you haven't watched that, it has uh, Ewan McGregor, Rebecca Ferguson, who is so excellent as a freaky horror villain. She is a spy in Mission Impossible, and a whole bunch of other people. So watch Doctor Sleep too. Watch the director's cut, uh, which is which is really, really good. And uh, yeah, those are my three for Halloween. And now, drum roll, because we've all oh been waiting behind the scenes. We've heard word that we are about to have our minds blown worse than no. the TVA at the end of Loki episode four. These are Matthew Aguilar's favorite Halloween
4: movies. Go. Peters has set me up for failure. Oh, Peters, <laughs> so my number three uh, is the house with a clock in this walls. This movie was so just like slept on. It did well at the box office and, you know, made money back and all that. But like it just gets forgotten about. And it's Jack Black and Kate Blanchett as like a witch and a warlock. And they're like but they're like good guys. And there's this whole big arcing thing in this house. And it has all this just it's really fun. It's it's not scary. In the sense of like we talked about earlier, right? Movie for me, it doesn't have to be scary necessarily, but it has fun in the universe of magic and witches and warlocks and sorcerers and all that. And I just thought it was so good. We were watched it on TV one night and like I didn't see it at the theater because I completely missed it. And then I was like, Oh, now it gets added to the regular carousel. So that that is good. Number two, I know I'm going to get hit on, uh, Boo Two, a Medea Halloween. Okay. The first one sucks. The first Medea boo, like, sucks. It's not funny. And I was just like, oh my God, what a (laughs) disappointment. And then the second one, I didn't go see in the theater because of that, because I was like, oh, it's not gonna be good. And it was hilarious. Okay, it was everything I wanted the first one to be. So stupid, over the top. I love Medea movies and it was fantastic. And then number number one is like probably my only like legit, (laughs) like legit Halloween pick. Trick or treat is like a slept on classic. That movie is so fun. Sam is like, I, I feel like kind of iconic at this point as this like mascot, like he's like the spirit of Halloween. And when uh, the movie itself is like all these kind of separate short stories, but they're all kind of woven together. And it's essentially like if you, you know, desecrate or screw up the, the spirit of Halloween offended in any way, like something bad is going to happen. And it's just how all these things play out. My buddy Ben introduced me to this like years and years ago, and ever since it's been in the rotation. It's great. You should watch it. Uh I I love these. These are typically what end up in the house during the Halloween season. Uh I mean, look, everyone knows, like, as I have my Santa no mug, like I'm already like a, two seasons ahead. But like still, this is what happens. So happy Halloween, everybody.
1: You are was, a mystery wrapped uh, in an enigma, my friends. I, I just I
3: want a button that I can just slam and it just shouts Matt loves everything.
1: No, Matt does not love everything. That is he what He just
3: kind of does. No, he doesn't not. The first one have you ever spent time with no, Matt Matt does not love everything. Cuz here's
1: what'll happen.
3: I'll offhandedly mention a movie I think is awful and he'll just pipe up and go, "I like that movie."
1: No, Matt has That's Matt true. has very unique opinions, but like, yeah, Matt does not love everything at all. Because you could mention something that you think is easily lovable. Matt's like, I don't care for that. <laughs> and you're like, what? <laughs> It's like, no, I don't know. I, I get what people like it. I get what, yeah, I, what I want to see is this, like, I just imagine Peter, our producer, putting together that graphic, and I want to know how long he just sat and stared at it, the finished graphic, and probably heard Simon and Garfunkel playing in his ears, just like,
3: <laughs> hello, darkness, <laughs> yeah. my old
1: friend, <laughs> just seem to go draw further and further away from him down a tunnel. Like His some, quote
4: uh, in Slack was amazing. Yeah, I like, forget what he said. Like, he was like, like, I think it was, it was like, like one film wild. I had
1: to Google to find out what it was. Another, I couldn't. I, it's not that I didn't think it existed. I just didn't think they made a sequel to it. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay. But uh, Trick or Treat, Trick and Treat was my uh, honorable mention. So that was a uh, yeah, that was on my list as well because that is a really hey. really good one.
4: It's uh, so good. Yeah, like it's the perfect blend of scary and funny. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna watch that it's actually.
1: It's yeah, I'm gonna be watching that after after this. In fact, after I get it done.
4: me. Look, see. Oh, my pics are weird.
1: No, no, that one was good. That one was solid, and it was your number one. I, I'm gonna be staring at the Medea <laughs> picture for so that. Fun. We had this on Comic Book Nation. Never my, never my wildest dreams. That I think we'd have Medea somehow it's referenced so on Comic Book Nation, but here we are. <laughs> Alright, I love it. so those are our top Halloween picks. We'll put the graphic in the article for this episode and let you guys just peruse. We'd love to hear what you guys think, so you can hit us up on Comic with Nation Twitter. And uh, let us know what were your favorite Halloween, top three Halloween go-to movies, because um, we'd love to know from you guys. And tell us if we're crazy. Alright, Matt, you can uh, close this out. Oh, yeah. We got uh, comics, starting with some big news from comics. I was surprised you didn't put this in there.
4: Oh yeah, I almost did and I I honestly forgot. So good catch. <laughs> so uh in w- a couple episodes back, uh actually we were talking about the Ultimate Universe and uh I know we got some uh pushback in the in the comics a little bit about like there is some excitement about the Ultimate Universe and what's coming. I wasn't as hyped about it as others, <laughs> but like there's some genuine excitement. And one of the biggest ones obviously is Ultimate Spider-Man. He was that was the I think it's safe to say um the best uh, storyline slash just overall character and universe to come out of that first Ultimate Universe. And now we have, uh, Jonathan Hickman, uh, doing Ultimate Spider Man number one. And the thing, the pitch here is that, as you can see in the cover there, number one, Peter and Mary Jane are married, they have a family, they have a son and a daughter. And, but also it's very much teased in Hickman's comments that, um, you know, he, Spider Man gets, his powers in a different place than he did in the original so it doesn't seem like it's just like oh he's had them ever since he got bitten by the spider in college and all that um here it seems like he got his powers like later much later on in life and having all that mixed in with the family mixed in with the marriage and all that is you know kind of part of the stuff we've been wanting in the core main continuity of spider-man forever uh and just dumb and <laughs> Dumb mandates kept that from happening. So I'm very excited uh, for this. I think the pitch won over a lot of people. If you went on social media right after this hit, there was a lot of people like, I wasn't sold, but that's a good pitch. And I and I want to see what happens with that. I'll so be honest. At least we know for Ultimate Spider-Man, it's got people hooked. When
1: this went in, I think you wrote up the article, and I saw what angle you were taking. It was like, you know, this new comic's going to have Peter and Mary Jane be married. And I was like, is that enough? I was like, shouldn't we be like, oh, they're older. Oh, they have kids no i was very wrong as soon as you put that out people were like oh my god they're married again ah! and i was like okay this is a much bigger deal than i thought it was like yeah no people are people are kind of things and i would like to just say as a personal gloat i called this like when we got i did the article where hickman said he was working on something but he refused to say what it was And I was like, okay, there's only a couple things. Because he said it was a character he would never work with. And I was like, what could that be? And then he was like, oh, but they gave me this angle that finally that I wanted that they wouldn't do. And I was like, oh, it's probably going to be like Spider-Man. And I was like, yeah, I can see him doing Spider-Man. Although I didn't think he would go in this direction. I thought he would do some like better Spider-Verse, like bigger chart thing. This is way more personal. And I'm kind of really... Here for it, and I think it's smart because there's a bunch of us, like me and Matt, people who grew up with Spider Man who are now parents and like older and you know have to deal with a lot of stuff. And so, I am terrified though, as many people said in the darkness of Marvel Twitter, like, oh, some Parkers are dying, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, like we're gonna lose some of these Parkers, right? It's like, like, they gave them two, like one kids. of those kids yeah. is getting a choice, two right? kids, concerns, yeah, me. there's gotta be a Sophie's choice in this whole thing, right? Um
4: yeah, because yeah, somebody died. That's, That's an absolute worry. And also, Peter's gonna have
1: to
3: pit. I'm curious what else they change because if he doesn't get bit until he's what, 40? Like I feel I wonder what domino effect that creates of like, is Ben alive? <laughs> is well, how did he meet why? Mary Jane? Stuff like that.
1: Well, it's changed because I mean they alluded to this in that questionable ultimate invasion uh event because the maker goes back in he catches the spider right before it's about to bite Peter mm-hmm. as a teenager. So I'm pretty sure they're gonna build off of that and say, no, the destiny still happens, but because the maker intervened here, destiny did the you know final destination style corrective path, but it came later. And
3: See, now I just picture later. Miguel's yeah. gonna pop up in a portal about halfway through the book and be like,
1: canon events. I mean, they have two kids, they need childcare. So May and Ben should be in the picture and
4: maybe they die. <laughs> You know, like yeah, but see, all these questions is why I'm curious. I'm also very curious because this will be the first one. I I adore the original Ultimate Spider-Man. I, that yeah, run. no, that was good. It's yeah, one of my favorite all time runs. Uh, but like Janelle wasn't part of the comics discussion, and like there's a like a whole segment of people that never read those, and so I am excited yeah. for people because that was the initial pitch of what the Ultimate Universe was supposed to be. Was this new jumping on point they could rework things modernize Yeah, 21st stuff.
1: century marvel relaunch
4: yeah and then it ended up becoming having its own problems and continuities whatever and all and he died but did but, he get better
1: no i think that huh? peter died and miles took over right yeah
4: yes okay. that peter died in a fantastic like green goblin series yeah thing and then miles took over Uh, And then Miles hopped over here, but Mm. um, I'm excited for Janelle to actually like, we can hop on this and I'm excited to see what you think. That's actually, yeah, I was gonna
1: say that too. This is the first time, first of all, this is the first time I think Spider-Man comics have been accessible since since like 2000 with Ultimate Spider-Man. Ever since then, it's been such a mess of continuity. You cannot get into Spider-Man books if you do not, if you didn't start back in the 1990s in the clone saga, you cannot get into Spider-Man books. It's impossible. They're so inaccessible, and, the, and they didn't ever scale back. And that's the thing. Like, everybody in Marvel kept saying, or fans kept saying, like, Ultimate Spider-Man was great because it was back to the basics. It was starting Peter's story over with the basic thing of Spider-Man, having to juggle this life, get through teen angst, do all this stuff. And it was not that complicated anymore. It was just modernized and new at the time for the 2000s. This will be the first time we can onboard somebody and say, we're jumping into this together. It's a, like not even, it's simplified, but a whole new status quo that we have no idea about that's mysterious and intriguing. And it's gonna be fun to kind of get into it. And it's good. We can finally get Janelle into a Spider Man comic.
4: I know. I'm, I'm stoked. So, this is the good side of the Ultimate Universe. I hope we see more of this uh, moving forward. But let's get into this week's books, uh, starting with Wonder Woman number two. Obviously, we talked about Wonder Woman number one with. Tom King, if you didn't get to check that episode out, you should totally go do that on the Comic Book Nation YouTube page and on your audio platform of choice. Uh, but here, Wonder Woman number two, we it was teased in that interview. Yep. By the way, that there was an awesome, badass tank moment coming. Yep. Uh, we we talked about teed up the whole like no thank you. Yep. You know like pitch like all those. If you go back to that interview, you can see. Oh, I did. All he, of that
1: man did not lie once. Issue. No, no, shout out to Tom King. He told us and he did not lie.
4: Yeah. So here we get the, you know, this is the government standing against Diana. It's the, hey, we've brought our entire, we've brought an entire battalion of tanks and people. And like Steve Trevor gets sent in to try and like talk her down. But that conversation, like I love how the conversation goes on Diana's side, like just kick rocks and like, I'm good no thank you and i love how that's implemented i love the back and forth like the flashback uh to her when she was first kind of you know vying for this role to come over uh and then flashing to the modern it's and the back and forth between them there's a there's an amazing there's a couple amazing lines but there's an amazing line in this book where uh it's during the like gladiatorial combat spots during the flashback and She's like, she seems beaten. The, you know, narrative is kind of painting that picture. And then it's like, I have two swords yep. that I, I lost my mind at that panel. And I was you have, like, Oh no. my God, I got all just, I, I lost it. I reread it. Right. Cause I was just so hyped on that. Uh, there's a couple of moments. The tank moment does not disappoint. The action is gorgeous in this. I am just loving this. I'm digging this so much, but, uh, but what'd you guys think?
1: Um, I, I mean, this is, I think. Some people were very harsh on the first issue because uh, it was risky. It kept Wonder Woman out of it for much of it, and did this. I don't think I don't think those people who were critical of that first issue for this reason have a leg to stand on after the second one, uh, because I think this is. I think this second issue is right up there with like Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, and how it takes like a single chapter but frames so much about the character. I think that King kind of cooks in this one by giving us a great kind of in-the-moment story that's an action story on two different time periods for two different events, but in doing so, really showing the context of what woman Wonder Woman's superpower is in a way that we don't typically think about it, which is, what if there is a woman who does not have to bend or cater to or be intimidated by or insecure, become insecure from the pressures of a male-dominated society what, or even a female-dominated society? What if, you know, because what if she doesn't have to worry about that? What if there's like a woman who never has to worry about that stuff and can determine her own identity, her own path through the world without having to capitulate to all these other forces that tend to, you know, bend and break women all the time? And what would that be like? And she's not cruel. She They don't... It's not like she jumps to be being a man like, oh, I got the power now. I'm going to lay lay my lay my nuts on everybody. Like, it's not like that. She is quiet. She, she's not quiet, but she's just self-determined. She says, no, I don't want this. Yes, I want that. Look, I don't want to hurt anybody. I'm not going to do what you want. And if you start some, it's going to be something. But I don't want to hurt you. She repeats that like many times to everybody she fights. And in the end, it's not her physical And especially in the sword moment, it's not her physical brutality and power. It's her ability to be tough and to be resolute in who she is that makes her powerful. She pulls the sword out of her own belly and then says, now I have two and you have none. And you're not, and basically says like in so many words, like you're not going to take what I just took. If I do it to you, you're done. Like, And the girl's like, oh yeah, I'm going to surrender. Whereas she doesn't ever feel like she has to surrender. So... I think it's a great character study if I were to, again, we just did two King issues the last two weeks. If I were to tell people who Penguin is, I would give them a second issue of that King series, right? Uh, or, yeah, the second issue, and where he kind of breaks the help down. And if I were to give, tell people, if people ask me who Wonder Woman is, I would give them like an issue like this and be like, this is a great example of who Wonder Woman is. I also like that she takes like a bunch of male phallic symbols and drops them on their heads and like I'll bash you with your own tanks. <laughs> you want to send your big poles at me, I'll bash you with them. And like, yeah, that was funny. So um yeah, art storytelling in this was was pretty glorious to me.
4: Danelle, what'd you think?
2: I absolutely loved this. This was just everything. Um, the juxtaposition between the two timelines and and just showing what was what 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 was and what is yeah. is it was just so fire. Also, like the artwork is so stunning. Her eyes, there's like one slide of like her just big blue eyes, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is just beautiful. It's unique. It's a different way that I've seen like a comic presented to me, and it was so refreshing and exciting. Um, and yeah, I mean, you guys have kind of summed up the whole story. So just overall impression, spectacular. I loved it.
4: Um, Moving on to... Oh, we uh, didn't get... I didn't didn't read. Okay, okay. Okay. Oh, yeah, he doesn't read the book. I try (laughs) to. I just have... I have other things.
1: He's got... Yeah, he's got a big sports career now, this guy. Uh, All right.
4: Gotham War, Red Hood. Uh, This is number... Actually, Red Hood number two. This is the second part of a two-issue thing, but also kind of the penultimate issue to Gotham War, which I believe is next week, uh, is the kind of full conclusion. Everything's coming together. And so I kind of expected this to be essentially like picking up where we left off and then moving the story forward. And like, that's not what this issue is. And it's very confusing. (laughs) It's like this issue, it it was, I found a lot of interesting things in it. But this issue, like half the first half is just recap and filling in conversations and it feels very much like a tie-in like unnecessary
1: oh this was without a doubt a tie-in like like not only i've never seen a comic like actually say at the end hey you can find out the end of this story but you're gonna have to go to two places not just one (laughs) because that's how much they jammed into this one like yeah i was thrown for a loop and dc has got to get this joker shit sorted out i'm sorry i'm dropping the word like they got to get it sorted out (laughs) There's Jokers everywhere. These stories are like crossing over all the places. Like now we're getting the Joker who man who stops laughing, which I've been confused about for like a year straight. Now is in this one. Now we got to go back to that comic. Like, yeah, this was kind of a mess. And Gotham War, I'm like, please stick to landing. You've been one of my favorite story events. But yeah, this one, this one was kind of a mess.
4: It's it's a little all over the place. Uh, Janelle, what'd you think?
2: Yeah, I mean, it didn't bother me because it answered questions. Uh, sure. I was I was very confused in the last book that we read, so mm-hmm. this one helped me understand what was going on with Red Hood. So I that makes sense. I do appreciate that. Um, I do love seeing Joker. I love that Joker calls himself like mom because Batman's dad and he's mom. I love (laughs) that. Um, I still don't know what's going on with Batman and Red Hood. I still don't quite understand what's going on, but I do get that like there's sympathies towards Red Hood from these other villains. And I do like that too. I don't think it was terrible. I've definitely read worse.
4: (laughs) Um, That's true. Yeah.
2: So it it was just hard to live up to the Wonder Woman book because it was just so good. But, um, yeah, I mean it was cool, and I I seeing Joker, and I loved the interaction between Joker and Scarecrow as well.
4: Yeah, that was good too. And I'll yeah. give you a primer on the stuff you missed yeah. before the finale, so that way you like start. Thank you. <laughs> you everything in it. Um, and then last but not least, certainly not least, uh, right in time for the Marvels, uh, Captain Marvel number one, uh, is now out in stores, and uh, this series is from Alyssa Wong. And kind of, um, oh hey, um, my sorry, my Zoom kind of <laughs> kind of messed up a little bit. It saw um, your wrestle buddy behind you and said, "Focus on that." Look how cute he is! It's amazing. Um, so, Captain Marvel number one uh, picks up after Kelly um, Kelly Thompson's run. But then also in between, there's like been this other kind of mini series, but this one really doesn't seem to factor that in much, which I think is actually a good thing. It picks up kind of right where, you know, they do the Marvel thing, which I love, which is like, hey, here's what happened last time. Binary, you know, died and stuff like that. And they go from there and and then we get the new suit stuff, but we get, there's a lot of new in this. The one big thing that is even not- notated on comicbook.com is that there's also a big crossover uh, in terms of, uh concept with the marvels movie which is the you know in this case it's the mega bands and the swapping in place so you have that you don't obviously have monica or kamala but you have another character kind of standing in for that and but there's a bunch of other stuff around that. so that actually surprised me that they're that they were like kind of crossing over that mechanic so to speak um but i really I really enjoyed a lot of the issue and I thought they did enough to kind of separate it. So it doesn't feel like, oh, this is just an MCU tie in. It didn't feel that way, but I was kind of worried at first when I started seeing the swapping stuff. I'm really interested, Janelle, because like you really liked, um, you know, Kelly's run like I did. Um, how do you feel about the new direction? Um, what do you, what are you thinking?
2: I'm intrigued. I'm, I definitely like there's enough there for me to be like, OK, I want more. I want to like keep going and see where we're going with this. Um, I it, obviously like introductions to lots of characters that I don't know at all. Um, so, you know, I don't have any like recognition. I'm not like, oh, I know that character. Yay, I'm comfy here. Um, but so far, I am intrigued. I'm intrigued with our villains. I'm intrigued with um, this. The t- Is it a teenager? Is she young? Like she's the one that. Yeah, you
4: know, it. she's a newer Character, too. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And so, yeah, it's kind of like, seems, you know, she seems younger than,
2: obviously, Carol,
4: but like, I don't know exactly.
2: And I like that. Like, I'm into her. I I definitely can't wait to get to know her more. So I wouldn't say, like, it's the best issue of the week, but I'm interested. And that's good because, you know, keeping me wanting more and and wanting to, like, see where it's going is a great thing. I just want to know what's going on with, with Captain Marvel. (laughs)
4: <laughs> yeah, same. And and they in um, previous interviews and stuff, uh, you know, they said that her character is like kind of on purpose, incredibly different than Miss Marvel. Like they, wow. they okay, made cool. sure to like go a different way with that character for that reason. So yeah, that they could contrast. So I'm excited for that. And oh my god, it's gorgeous. I I love the new suit. The new suit is yeah. dope. So uh, very excited oh, yeah. for that. So anyway, that is comics for you this week
1: all right that'll do it for this episode of comic book nation in addition to our live show today we will have a bonus episode coming i think after the weekend uh where we rank the dceu movies (laughs) we jumped into all 15 because nobody cares about aquaman 2 and so we were like let's just do it and we rank all of the dceu movies and people's lists are pretty crazy uh there were some similarities but there were some very distinct differences in our lists and you want to check that out because it was a fun little debate. And uh, yeah, I think the words "your list was trash" was spoken at some points. There were maybe a few fists thrown. I'm not. I'm not recalling. You're gonna have to check it out and see what goes down on that bonus episode. But we'll get a little uh, promo out to remind you about that. But uh, that does it for the regular episode of Comic Book Nation. Be sure. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube. That's Comic Book All One Word Dash Nation. And subscribe to our audio feed. You can do it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your other podcast platforms. If you want to talk to us on Twitter, you can hit us up at Comic Book Nation, or you can find me at Kofi Outlaw. You can find me at Connor Casey CBS. You can find me at Matt Aguilar CB.
2: You can find me at Janelle Wheeler.
1: That'll do it for this episode. Thank you, everyone, as always, for joining us live. We love the CBN community. See you guys out there next week. And also, when we have a chance, tell us what you thought about our DCEU rankings. See you guys next week. Peace.